0: One place I'd be a little cautious with is we've seen that unified credit really increase significantly uh, over the years. We know it's going to be cut in half in 2026. So so, so while, yes, it, it seems improbable for a lot of us not to exceed what that estate tax forgiveness is going to be, ultimately, do keep in mind it doesn't mean that it's going to stay uniform as we progress over the next that's 20, why, 30 years. But that's
1: why your estate plan as part of your financial plan has to be flexible. Oh, absolutely. Starting your route
0: to retirement.
1: Welcome to the Guided Retirement Show. I'm your host, Dean Barber. Today we are talking with Matt Casper. He's a certified financial planner in the Lee Summit office of Barber Financial Group. Since it's Valentine's Day today, we're gonna be talking about family financial planning and it is so complex, but you know what? This is an absolutely fun conversation when you really understand financial planning is not just for you, but it's for your entire family. Please enjoy my conversation with Matt Casper. Before we hop into today's episode, I want to remind our listeners and viewers that you can access the same financial planning tools we use for our own clients on your own time and all from the comfort of your own home. All you need to do is visit the link in the show notes and click the start planning button from there, you can start building your retirement plan, no cost, no obligation. Matt Casper, Certified Financial Planner at our Lee Summit Office of Barber Financial Group. Welcome to the Guided Retirement Show. It's great to have you here.
0: Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it.
1: So it's Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about family financial planning. And you and I both know, doing financial planning for decades now, that the financial plan is created to first of all, provide clarity, confidence, and control for the individual that the plan is created for. But there's so much of the financial plan that is really for the whole family. So let's get started talking about the aspects of the financial plan that can really impact your family members.
0: Yeah. You know, Dean, it's there's so much that goes into this big wealth transfer that you're talking about when we're talking about talking specifically to our clients and, and thinking through how do we best serve them as far as ultimately making sure they have the proper plan in place for them to have a lasting retirement. But then the next conversation is how does this transfer take place? How does it all pass on first to your survivorship, which is obviously, you know, speaking of Valentine's day, if you're married, having your survivor, making sure that they are taking care of. Uh, and of course, the next big transfer is going to be to the next generation, or possibly to charities and so forth. Everyone's going to have their own unique design that's going to be meaningful for them. And we have to have those conversations. We have to get that clarity out there to understand, you know, what's going to be the best pursuit that's that's truly going to emphasize what is best for you and your family. And and it, again, it's not universal, and that's why we need to have these deep conversations.
1: Well, and it's interesting because a A real financial plan will have four components. It's got your investment part of the plan. It's got your risk management part of the plan. It's got your tax part of the plan. And it's got your estate planning part of the plan. And all four of those are very unique. Now, the investment part of the plan doesn't have as much to do with your family members as the other three—the risk management, the tax, and the estate plan—but they all four are connected.
0: They're they're all connected, right? Absolutely, they they certainly are. And in fact, you know, we probably should tackle all four and see one how is it impacting the client, and then ultimately how is it impacting the next generation. So I I, I think you always want to just lead. Uh, just talking since we're we're talking about legacy it's probably fair for us to go ahead and start talking about estate and estate planning and how that fits into the big picture of your retirement uh, but then we certainly want to transition and you know how does this all pass through? What can you be doing proactively to get your family more engaged so they're not surprised that everyone is working together and collaborating and and again making sure everybody's wishes are just known and, and respected and, and you're, you're getting rid of as much of the clutter as you can possibly get rid of. And clutter is a polite word to use in that
1: regard. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you bring up a very valid point there on the estate planning side of things so that there's not a surprise. And I, uh, have an opportunity to work with a lot of people where, you know, they, they've gone through and their parents have passed and then, oh, what's going on. And I just, I had a client that's in his, uh, early seven. 70s, and he was in for a meeting this year, and uh, his uh, mom and dad both passed away. and they, And it was this is a, a you know beautiful love story because they were married for I think almost 70 years, oh, wow. and uh, they died within like two weeks of each other, <laughs> right? And they both still lived at home, so this was a, a scenario where uh, both in their 90s. Um, but he made the comment to me. He said, "Dean," he said, "He said I can't believe." what mom and dad had. He said, He said, you know, I watched them live like they were dirt poor. In fact, I, I asked them on multiple occasions, do you guys need some money? Do you need some help? And he said, I was named the uh, successor trustee on their trust, but I didn't really know what was in the trust or what were the terms of the trust and all of that. So he spent the better part of 2022 settling this estate, which wound up being about $1.5 million, wow. not including the value of the home that they lived in. And, you know, he's finding and uncovering all kinds of things. And he was just like, I'm so surprised. He said, I wish that I would have known what they had because I could have encouraged them to live a uh, a better life as opposed to living like they were dirt poor. But I think it, it stemmed from that that generation, um, you know, they would rather live like they were poor and make sure that if something ever came around like the great depression, again, that they're going to be okay. And, and they also, that generation, um, as you know, was very uh, tight-lipped about their finances. They didn't share. Um, And and that's one of the things you're talking about. Let's share, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk about what that plan is through a family meeting. And people need to understand, whoever's going to be that successor trustee, Whoever's going to be named in that trust, if in fact you have a trust set up, they need to be in the know. They don't need to know the dollars and cents and all of that, but they need to understand what your wants and wishes are and why you've set the trust up the way that you have.
0: Absolutely, and you hit the nail on the head. So many, uh, so many of us, so many clients have this kind of protective mindset, and that protective mindset one uh, can can kind of keep you from creating those memories. Uh, and, and following through on, on some of the some of the big goals or big pictures you might want to be pursuing while you're in your retirement phase. Uh, and then on the other side of this is ultimately because you have that protective mindset, you're not engaging your family to to keep them better prepared for for what's to come as well. So, you know, what a what a blessing one to receive an inheritance uh, but but how many folks out there are going to be ill prepared to be able to handle inheritance? Whether it's coming from the standpoint of of understanding, uh, you know what this wealth means to them, or where these accounts even exist. Uh, what happens if I go into probate? What I so many questions as far as what type of property? If it's investment, if it's real estate, these are going to all be challenges that. Ultimately, we, we want to make sure that we're walking through with our clients and making sure that that communication is open to their loved ones to make sure, again, that everyone's feeling confident about what they're trying to accomplish.
1: So there's two types of estate plans that a person can have. Actually, there's three, right? There's no plan, there's a will-based plan, and then there's a trust-based plan. So the the, the no plan is you've done nothing, and then the uh, courts decide where your money goes when you pass on. The will-based plan um, basically says this is what I want to have happen. This is who I want to get what. And then every will is probated. And so you'll lose, depending upon the state that you live in three to 6% of the value of the estate to probate. And it'll be very public and it will drag out over a period of a minimum of nine months before the estate is settled. Now, what the probate courts actually do is they will read the will and then determine if the will was accurate and then tell and then tell where all the money's gonna go. So basically you're paying, you know, three to six percent of the value of your estate for an attorney and a judge to read the will and say this is yeah, this is where the thing should go. And it it to me, if you want any privacy and if you have any assets, you should have a trust.
0: Is it I couldn't agree more. I I think the challenge that we run into very frequently and we're all guilty of this to a certain degree, is you know, mentioning no plan, uh, we, we run into that quite a bit. Uh, and and it's it's not something to get down on yourself on. It's something to ultimately create some momentum and ulti- and get something in place. And minimally, we know we need to get a will-based plan in place because, you know, while that will, like you said, is, is a letter of instruction to the judge as to how I want my property to ultimately distribute to my loved ones, uh, you, you know, that's that's still just a safety net. We need to be doing things prior to that, such as making sure that we also have other documents in place. I'm going to touch on that real quick because we need to make sure that we get the proper power of attorneys in place, both healthcare as well as financial. We need to make sure we have healthcare proxies in place, make sure we have those health directives that are going to be out there. Uh, because again, that's going to be conclusive inside of a will-based plan. It's not just having that letter of instruction to the judge, which again is is a, what what you're hoping never to have to utilize in the first place. But we're telling you, yes, you need to minimally go through the expense of getting that will-based plan in place. Uh, one of the big challenges we run into is, you know, we think about talking about each one of those documents, and I won't go into great too great of detail. But you think about a financial power of attorney. Uh, we run into this all the time where it's not necessarily going to be, oh, I got into an accident and un- unfortunately I-, I need somebody to act on my behalf on my finances and my health. It could be something that's very common out there and that's the fact that I get dementia and all of a sudden I can no longer you know, manage my finances to the degree that I need to to make sure that everything is being handled properly. Who is going to be that next person that's going to take care of my finances if that happens? And again, dementia is such a common, unfortunate thing to go through. And we all need to get prepared for things like that and make sure those documents are in place.
1: Well, and if you have a trust, your trust will actually include the trust document. It'll include the financial and health care powers of attorney. It'll include your health care directives, and, and, and it will include a will. So the trust actually encompasses the whole thing, and a trust, in my opinion— um, again, if you have any money at all, you should have a trust because the trust acts in two capacities. One, when you're incapable of making decisions like you just talked about. And right. the second is in the smooth transfer of that money to the next generation and avoiding the probate courts. Where I see people making mistakes with their trust is that they go to an attorney and this attorney draws up this trust and it's in a beautiful binder and they give it to him, and they say, okay, here's your funding instructions. But if you don't get it funded, it's okay, because we've also included a pour over will so that anything that doesn't get into your trust will actually, this, this pour over will will force everything into your trust at your death. Well, what did they just do? It's a dirty trick. They just ensured that anything that you don't title in your trust goes through probate because, like I said earlier, all wills go through probate. So that pour over will is just going to ensure that anything that they didn't put in the trust actually goes into the trust. So it's a way that the attorney can get paid a second time at your death to make sure that all the assets that you didn't put in your trust get put in your trust through that pour over will by going through probate.
0: Absolutely. You sit there and you go through the effort of building out this trust, and then you don't go through the proper effort of making sure everything is titled properly. And and when you think about property, it's not just your investments and making sure the beneficiaries are, are reflecting now the trust that is in existence. It's going to be things like going to the deed of your home yep, and making sure that the deed of the home is now titled properly inside of the trust. It's the beneficiaries on your life insurance
1: policies. It's whether or not you want your IRA to go through the trust. If your trust uh, happens to have a uh, partial beneficiary of a, a charity and the IRA then goes into the trust. Well, the trust then is disqualified under the new secure act from being able to pass that through to the ultimate beneficiary without taxation. So there's a lot of things that have to be known there when you're, when you're doing that estate plan. Um, and I just, it's really critical and a, and a good certified financial planner is going to sit side by side with the estate planning attorney and the client to make sure that everything that they need to get done gets done. And there's nobody that knows the finances of an individual better than the certified financial planner that they're working with, which is why it's critical that they have that great relationship with the estate planning attorney to get everything in place.
0: Well, and, and when you think about building out a trust, you know, you start talking about some of the expectations with the trust, uh, and I think that's where yes, we went through the proper identification of the p- documents that need to be a part of it. Uh, we we understand proper titling, the importance of funding to avoid probate, and now let's let's just talk about some of the uniqueness that can come from a trust design, and and I I, I think we can all. Uh, Reflect on this, or relate to the fact uh, of the example of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it's really easy for me to do that because I have two older brothers, and I I have an ugly brother and a bad brother, and clearly I'm the good brother. <laughs> uh, but when you think about this, I'm them you said that. <laughs> when you think about this, ultimately, um, this is where you may not want an outright distribution. To specific loved ones, not that you don't love them, but because you want to protect them potentially against themselves. I mean, again, how many of us are going to be ill prepared to be able to manage uh, the wealth that's being transferred at the point of when, a passing of a loved one? And unfortunately, you know, there's statistics out there where a third of the population ultimately deplete this wealth transfer within a two-year time frame. So here, there's going to be this kind of responsibility that can be managed through a trust to where you may put in some parameters. I think a common parameter is going to be kind of an age laddering where you're going in and saying, you know, my great or my grandson or daughter is only 16, 17. Clearly they uh, are not going to be equipped to, to be able to manage wealth at this stage, but maybe I want to help them with college and uh, you can get even as as uh, dis- the design could be, maybe they receive something for specific grades that they accomplish through high school or going into college. I think what's even more common is that they just want them to attain an age where they're going to be a little bit more developed. Right. Uh, and common laddering there is going to be, you know maybe some at 25, some at 30, some at 35. The, and it could just be a, all different ways to approach this. But you're just trying to get them to a point where you feel safe that uh, that your assets, that your wealth, is now being managed by someone that 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 can take on that type of wealth at that stage.
1: Yeah, and then the trust is a complex uh, tool, and it really can be designed to do what you want to do. And, and so the trust is really designed to carry out your wishes while you're alive. If you become incapable of making decisions, and then carry out your wishes once you've passed on, the, so that you make sure that the money goes to the people and the charities that you care the most about. But, you know, I think good estate planning, uh, involves not just giving from cold hands, but also giving from warm hands. And this is where the collaboration between the certified financial planner and the estate planning attorney can really pay off. You know, um, one of the greatest things that I've seen in, in my career is a couple who we, we've done the financial planning, we've done the estate plan, and I'm, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, you know, you're going to leave multi-millions of dollars to your two daughters, their husbands, and then ultimately to the grandchildren. Would it be of any interest to you to start giving some money to them while you're alive so that you actually watch them enjoy it. And the husband looked at me and he goes, can we do that without destroying our ability to do the things that we want to do? And I said, absolutely. I said, so we, we came up with a gifting strategy. Um, and between the two daughters, uh, the gifting strategy is like a quarter of a million dollars a year. So they've been able to watch how this has impacted the the children and the grandchildren's lives and be a part of it and this also then is teaching the daughters look you don't just get this money to go out and spend everything but this is going to be a head start for college this is going to be a head start for your retirement this is going to allow you to take you know some of the money that you would be forced to save into 401ks and be able to maybe take some pressure off of that so that you can have a, a better lifestyle now, but it causes them to be good stewards. And then that, that uh, husband and wife, they actually brought their daughters in that were in their thirties. And we started doing financial planning for them and then created the estate plan for them. And so, you know, that's, that's family financial planning there, right? It, oh. it, and it's, it and it's, and it's not the quiet, I'm not going to tell you anything uh, type of a thing. You're really trying to pass on and, and help that next generation in a meaningful way and not just have them be surprised at with well, the wealth that you accumulated
0: when you pass on. It, completely. When you think about you know, some of the just gift exclusions, when you're thinking, you know, what are amounts that you might keep in the back of your mind? Well, I, Right now, it's what, $16,000 is what you can gift. Without having to report it on your taxes, so so this could be a partial design as to what you're trying to do. Again, uh, how many of us, you know, we definitely we want to leave something to our loved ones, but it's not the necessarily the biggest priority is to leave as much at the end of the plan as financial as as as, as possible. I think what you hit the nail on the head as well is the fact that we like to see the success and the reward going back to the Absolutely. family. Absolutely. And and that's why that kind of proactive giving uh, throughout your retirement may be more rewarding than, than just trying to leave everything at the end.
1: Yeah, I want to tackle that gift tax uh, issue. Um, so there's a lot of people that really don't understand how that works. And, and, and ha- what happens is every single citizen of the United States has something called a unified credit. And the unified credit... Is the amount of money that you can pass from one generation to the next while you're alive or after you've passed without having to incur an estate tax or a gift tax. Okay. So that unified credit can be used up while you're alive or it can be used up and on And in 2023, it's just under $13 million per person. Right. Right. So if you were to give your next generation, child, grandchild, whatever it is, anything in excess of the $16,000, that excess just comes off of that $13 million unified credit. It doesn't create a tax scenario for you. It doesn't create a tax scenario for your children. And if you don't have an estate that a married couple is over $26 million, you can give as much money as you want to away while you're alive. And there is no gift tax. There is
0: no estate tax. It just reduces the $13 million unified credit. Absolutely. I, I think the one place I'd be a little cautious with is we've seen that unified credit really increase significantly uh, over the years. We know it's going to be cut in half in 2026. So so, so while, yes, it, it seems improbable for a lot of us not to exceed what that estate tax forgiveness is going to be, ultimately, do keep in mind it doesn't mean that it's going to stay Uniform as we progress over the next but that's 20, why 30 years. that's why your estate plan as part of your financial plan has to be flexible. Oh, absolutely, and, and and that's why I I think it's just nice to know some of the gift exclusions because again that's not contributing to to that credit. So ultimately, uh, it's something that you can you can always have in your wheelhouse to to be able to give. Uh, and of course, that's just a partial design to a bigger picture, but it is something that I would want uh, folks out there to be aware of.
1: Right. And the $16,000 that doesn't have to be reported is, so I'm married, I, I can give 16000 my wife can give 16000 I can give 16000 to a, a daughter, a son-in-law and a grandchild you know so they're all of a sudden i'm given thousand dollars my wife can give forty eight thousand dollars because we're giving to different people right and so it's a it's a per person exemption and so you can really give a lot more than that sixteen thousand dollars and not have that go against your
0: unified credit yes you can and and just utilizing that example you know what a great way to give a significant amount of money or even a low amount of money it's just knowing some of those rules some of the boundaries uh same as you know making sure that you give the you complete your giving in the calendar year you know that's going to be something to, again just to make sure that you have that awareness as to to some of the rules
1: all right so let's go to uh spending a lot of time on on the estate plan there let's yeah. talk a little bit about um you know family financial planning as it relates to risk management all right now the the purest form of risk management. When we talk about risk management, you're talking about insurance. You're talking about making sure that you have the proper insurances to protect not only yourself but to protect your loved ones in the event that you're no longer around. So you're you're going to think about things such as health insurance, you're going to think about things such as disability insurance, long-term care insurance, life insurance. Those those insurance plans have a very important role in the overall financial plan because they're designed to protect you from unexpected losses.
0: Yes, it, it, so when you're thinking about from the family level though, it, ultimately that life insurance is, is going to be so key for thinking about how you're prote- protecting your loved ones. And, and again, I, I you know coming up here on on Valentine's Day, I, I think it's always important to think of of your spouse if you're married. Uh, ultimately, you know, how are you protecting your loved one and, and making sure that they're sustaining the lifestyle uh, that, that you want them to, to securely have throughout their retirement? And, and that's, uh, again, where, where there might be a partial solution through a life insurance type of policy. Yeah. Uh,
1: And, and life insurance really is designed there's two different phases of life insurance. In my opinion, you've got the life insurance when you're working, that's there to replace your income so that your family can continue to, uh, you know, live the lifestyle that they want. But then, you know, sometimes there's another use for life insurance as you head into retirement. So I'm going to tell another story here. Um, I began working with a couple, all the way back in uh, 1992 or 1993, so 30 years ago, okay? Right. And um, I began working with this couple. We developed a plan. They had young kids at the time, and obviously insurance was a part of that plan. And um, the wife, she said, Dean, she said, would you uh, be willing to talk to my dad? And he's got some money. And, um, he knows that there's going to reach a point where he's not going to be able to handle it on his own. And he's looking for a relationship with somebody who he knows can then take care of mom and ultimately make sure that, that, uh, the money comes down then to my generation. I said, I'd love to love to talk to him. Well, he lived in Arizona, never got a chance to meet the man personally. Um, but one of the things that he really wanted to make sure of was that he was leaving a sizable estate for his kids and his grandkids. And so as we went through the financial planning process, we realized that same scenarios before there's going to be more money than you're going to spend. And, and so I said, if you really want to maximize your estate, Let's use some of that excess money and let's buy a life insurance policy that will then send additional tax-free dollars to your children when you've passed on. And so we did that and he ultimately passed, his wife ultimately passed. And so my client uh, received that money and three years ago, um, and it's been four years ago, I think, since the, since the mom passed, but three years ago, they came in and they said, you know what mom and dad did for us? We want to do that for our kids. And so it's, a, it's another thing there where now they have additional wealth that they'll be able to transfer far beyond what their actual value of their estate is because they weren't spending all the money. So they leveraged that through life insurance to create an additional tax-free legacy for
0: their daughters. Yeah, and what a blessing to be able to receive one, an inheritance and two, a tax-free inheritance. Right. And of course, that's what's coming from that from that death benefit. And, and, and just to add one kind of quick note to this as well, we, we've been working with a lot of families, a lot of clients as well. and we had one particular family that just had a, a set amount that they knew they wanted to give to their to their children. And that's where insurance solved for that, to where they used, ultimately did a paid-up type of plan. To where they had a death benefit that met the expectation that they wanted for their loved ones to receive as, as their inheritance. And I would say the side note beauty of that is because they have accomplished that already, that's complete. That's done. That means they get to spend everything else and ultimately enjoy as much as they can as, as they go through their you retirement. You know,
1: the, that is a very unique way to look at it. And um, my good friend, Ed Slot, you know, Ed, he's considered to be America's IRA expert. I've been studying with Ed for, gosh almost 20 years. And he said that the tax code that is written around life insurance is the best tax code out there. And he said, if you want to pass money to the next generation, the best money to pass is life insurance. He said, so, you know, like you said, get the amount that you want, go out and buy a life insurance policy that's going to fund that. And then you can spend every dime that you have and you're still going to leave that, that money to the next generation. So it could actually Having that type of an estate plan in place, because so see 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 where these things are fitting together here, the the estate plan and the life insurance they play together, right? Um, if you want to be able to spend more money in retirement, have a life insurance policy that's going to have the legacy that you want, so that you don't have to worry about, you know, whether or not you're leaving a legacy.
0: All right. A hundred percent. And again, you know, that kind of opens the gate a little bit to talking about taxation. Cause...
1: before we do taxes, though, Matt, yep. I want to. I want to uh, say one thing about the type of life insurance that I think people should purchase, especially for that legacy plan. Sure. You should purchase a life insurance policy that is a permanent policy. It doesn't have to accumulate a bunch of cash value, but it it should be something that has a guaranteed premium for the rest of your life. And it should include something called a critical care writer on there. And that critical care writer is basically going to allow the individual, if they have to go into a nursing home to be able to access part of the death benefit tax-free to fund the long-term care. And
0: that can, pers- that can also protect the surviving spouse. It Absolutely. When you think about that as well, you know, when you think about long-term care expenses, talk about a quick way to reduce your estate and to reduce your what you were hoping to pass on to your loved ones. That'll chew it up pretty quick. Absolutely. What an excessive expense, and and to have that protection in place for multiple reasons. You know, one, the death benefit, if that's what you're prioritizing, or you're trying to leverage that the fact that it could cover some of the long-term care concerns. Uh, again, great protection, not only uh, for the next generation, but also for your for your surviving spouse as well. I know that's always going to be a key fear is that ultimately, uh, if one of the spouses is in the side of long-term care, you know you're going to do everything you can in your power to make sure that they are happy and content uh, up until their passing. And then ultimately, where does that leave you as a surviving spouse? Do you still have the assets protected that you need to get Securely through your retirement. Uh, so, so I, I think you bring up a great point of ultimately looking at how you can provide that protection, not only to, to pass on your wealth, uh, but, but ultimately to secure a better life for, for your loved ones as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. All right, let's go to taxes now. So, um, here's the thing that I don't think most people realize when you get into retirement, you at that point in your life have more control over your taxes than any other time of your life. A good tax plan starts well before retirement because you need to have something called tax diversification. If you've done a good job of creating tax diversification, then ultimately you'll be able to control your taxes in retirement unlike any other time. But when it comes to the family part of the financial plan when it comes to taxes, it's thinking about how – different assets will pass to the next generation and what will be the tax impact of those assets as they pass to the next generation. Once you understand all that, then you need to have the conversation with the next generation and talk to them about the tax implications or the lack thereof because of the planning
0: that you've done. Yeah. You you sit there and you think, you know, most of our clients, you know, the biggest account that they've been accumulating wealth in is- is typically or traditionally going to be inside of an employer plan like a 401k. And if they didn't have access to a Roth 401k or uh, they were just unaware of the value of contributing to a Roth 401k, that means what? That they've done a great job of keeping a discipline, saving, accumulating wealth. But guess what? They have a big component of that wealth that technically the IRS is going to make sure that they get their piece of. Uh, So that not only is a challenge for the one that's retiring with that tax deferred account, that employer plan, uh, but it also is going to be a challenge that's going to be passed on to the next generation. And in fact, it's going to be more of a challenge for the next generation just due to the fact of, you know, what was passed with the SECURE Act. And ultimately now we have this 10 year time frame where either we have to completely withdraw the funds over that 10 year time frame uh, which could happen in year all in year one. It could be spread out evenly throughout ten years, uh, or you can imagine all the different ways that you could approach that. But how key is tax planning going to be inside of that analysis? It's, it's huge, and, and, and certainly something that we've had to help guide our clients with with our CPAs here. We'd be lost without the CPAs coming in, giving that 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 guidance to make sure that we again are are trained to. Uh, allow the client to retain as much of that inheritance as possible away from Uncle Sam's participation.
1: Right, and, uh, and so, so let's just let's let's unpack that just a little bit because yep. you the Secure Act changed everything on the way that people inherit IRAs, and and there are so many super complex rules under the Secure Act that can really throw the beneficiary off. And so, for instance, there's a different rule if somebody passes before what's called their required beginning date. Okay, So the required beginning date is the date that you have to start taking money out of your IRA or 401k in the form of what's called a required minimum distribution. So if you die before that, the 10-year rule applies to the next generation, but they don't have to take any required minimum distributions through that 10-year period. They just have to make sure that all the money's out by the end of 10 years. If somebody happens to die after their required beginning date, then the beneficiary must take required minimum distributions every year and all the money has to be out by the end of 10 years. So if the beneficiaries don't understand the complexity of this, it's very easy for them to fall into a scenario where they could be subject to a 50% penalty by not doing it correctly.
0: so you, not only do you have the penalty but you have the taxes on top of it so so again talk about the complexity that comes with all of this and how do you ultimately navigate through this this in this notion that the inheritance and making sure again you're retaining as much of your family's wealth as possible and keeping it away from Uncle Sam and I, and that's just becoming more and more challenging uh rather than than simplified.
1: Right and think about the people that inherit money, most of the people that inherit money are in their 50s or 60s and probably in their peak earning years. Okay, So if all that money has to come out of that IRA and the beneficiary is in their peak earning years, there's a very good chance that the money coming out, out of that IRA will be taxed at a much higher rate than you ever paid on that when you put it in. And so this is where the whole discussion and and the financial plan comes in and the CPAs. And this is part of the tax plan, but it's also part of the estate plan. Should we consider starting to move some of the money from a traditional IRA over to a Roth IRA? And when you go to make that decision, you can't make that decision in a vacuum. And you can't make that decision based only on your personal financial plan. You have to make that decision based on a generational plan that, because we know that at some point in time, that money is going to come out. And the question is, if we can move it now into a Roth IRA, where it can pass tax-free to the beneficiaries and you can access it tax-free later, does that give us a bigger bang for our buck on paying a Lower tax rate today, or being forced to pay a higher tax rate in the future?
0: Yeah. It, you know, ultimately, when you're looking at every single calendar year, what, one of the big challenges we have in front of us is, is helping our clients that possibly didn't accumulate wealth in a diversified way to start becoming diversified. From a tax standpoint, I'm not even talking about the investments yet. So so when we start thinking about ways to be able to accomplish this, the one of the biggest strategies we have out there, as we know, is going to be Roth conversions. But Roth conversions are not always good. That's why, again, it it, it takes uh, the efforts of, of a tax professional as well as your certified financial planner to help give you some guidance as to what's going to be the effective rate we getting this money from an IRA over to a Roth account. And, and what's even more complex about this is you're trying to evaluate effective rates for the conversion and compare it relative to what? Well, where's my tax rates going to be when I have to start taking required minimum distribution? If I don't get this money out at these rates today, I'm going to be forced to pull this money out the, at the rates of tomorrow. And, right. and, and we already know. Taxes are, are, are the tax cuts and jobs act sunsets in 2025, 2026. We're going back to what we had in 2017, and of course the fear is not just what's going to happen in 2026, but where's tax code going to be in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road? And I think we all have some some concerns and reservations as to where tax the future tax code could be. So ultimately, being proactive and in getting that tax diversification back into your portfolio by considering these Roth conversions at appropriate effective rates. Uh, Again, thinking of Valentine's Day here, talk about protecting your spouse if you're married because one of the most difficult things is when you get into having to file a single tax return, your rates just went up significantly.
1: Absolutely, I just had a scenario on that here uh, back in December of of 2022. Um, had a uh, a lady she was in for her you know, kind of year end planning, and and uh, she, we had about twenty thousand dollars or so uh, left in the twenty two percent tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So. We said, let's look and see what a Roth conversion would look like if we would, if we would convert $20,000 to a Roth IRA in the 22% bracket and knowing that then it would be tax-free forever. Well, as we ran the scenario, what happened was that that $20,000 Roth conversion caused an additional $11,000 of Social Security to become taxable. So all of a sudden to move $20,000 from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, she was going to have to pay tax on $31,000. And so I looked at her and I said, not a good plan, right? So it, it doesn't make sense for you.
0: And and I think that's what if we oversimplify the Roth conversion, we do think, okay, where is my marginal tax bracket? Right. I take that plus my my state tax and oh okay, I if I'm in a 22 and I have to pay 5% state tax, that's 27% effective rate. But what you just pointed out, you just made so much uh, of your additional Social Security a tax event. Your effective rate isn't 27%.
1: No, it's it's like 35.
0: It's 35%. Yeah, so, so so it doesn't always make sense. Right. And that's, again, why you need to have proper guidance. You need to go through through the difficulty of of building out a, a full financial plan because, again, even when you go directly to a to an accountant or a CPA, if they don't know what your retirement is going to look like, as what your spending priorities and what your resources are from an all encompassing level, yeah. there's no way they can give you that guidance. And,
1: and imagine, you know, somebody looking and saying, "Okay, here's." They can look online and see what the effective rates are, and I've got this. In this example, I've got twenty thousand dollars that I could convert. Well, you convert that twenty thousand dollars, but you don't have the advantage of sitting down with the cfp that also has the cpa saying hey if you do this this is what's going to happen to your social security and then you wind up getting blindsided and you're like i had no idea that that was going to happen how could this happen well because social security is taxed different than every other source of income that you have and it doesn't play nice with other you know other things that you do so it's just again what we're talking about matt is we're talking about the whole financial plan here, and it and some of these things are going to affect just the individual, but so many of them have an impact on that next generation, on the entire family. Absolutely.
0: So, you, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, the the Roth conversions. Also, just to quickly touch on. You know, also don't lose sight of how a conversion can impact your Medicare expenses. I think that's a sometimes an oversight and, and something that you just want to be equipped with as to whether or not it pushes you up into higher costs of Medicare. Uh, but then circling back to you know ultimately the next generation, because again that's that's the big focal point here is this Roth account that that you've now just tried to to ultimately contribute through these Roth conversions to ultimately. Is going to be one of the best, if not the best, type of inheritance.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because it's tax
0: free. Tax free, and and yes, we still have that ten year rule, right? right?
1: You still have the ten year rule, but you don't have any required minimum distributions, even if you die after the required beginning date, because there is no required beginning date for a Roth IRA. So you get the, the rules get complex. Here's what I want to I want to wrap up here, but we didn't talk about investments at all. Okay. And I kind of do that intentionally here because the investment is the engine that drives everything, right? The rest of the financial plan is the chassis. You, you can't go on a trip with just an engine. You've got to have the rest of the chassis, the rest of the car, okay? So the financial plan, in my opinion, has to be constructed and constructed specifically for each individual before you even discuss what kind of an engine do you have to put in this thing, right? What, what, what should the investment plan look like? And you can't design the investment plan without having the overall
0: financial plan done first. You have to have everything else prioritized before you get to that investment side of things.
1: Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times people get impatient. They're like, I just want to know what to do with my money. I'm like, we'll get there, okay? But we have to go through all these other things first.
0: Well, you, you know, it's interesting when I, when I first came into the business back in 2005 uh, there was such an investment focus uh, and not that that's a bad thing, but ultimately it's been uh, impressive to see how planning has really been the priority over the the course of you know the 17,
1: 17 years, years yeah. I've been doing
0: I have to do my math here so <laughs> no it's uh, so it, it really has gone from an investment focus to a planning focus and and now it, it, you know I would even go to emphasize it, it's it's just client focus to make sure that they are being looked after to make sure that they are getting the proper guidance to be able to again navigate such a challenging uh retirement because there are so many things that they need to be thinking of and and it doesn't and i wish i could say I, i i can give you all the solutions i can't i rely on on our tax team i rely on internally's Uh, Some legal guidance, I retire, uh, you know, have to count on what's the proper protection. And we were touching on each one of those. And and guess what? This is all to do what to to optimize the most efficient retirement that we can for you. And that also does what we were talking about today is how do we ultimately create the best legacy plan Ah, uh, the best generational plan that that we can ultimately move forward with. And again, it's it's not necessarily that we try to leave as much wealth at the end of the play. That's not that necessarily what's going to be meaningful for you. It's going to be different for everyone, yeah. and that's what's so special about what working with with professionals can really bring to the to the the relationship.
1: Totally agree. Well, Matt, thanks so much for being on the Guided Retirement Show with me. It's been a great conversation, and hopefully, everybody learned something.
0: I appreciate it, Dean. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
1: I appreciate you joining me again here on the Guided Retirement Show. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt Casper. Don't forget, we're offering you access to the same financial planning tools we use for our own clients. Just get out to the link in the show notes and click the Start Planning button and begin your retirement plan from the comfort of your own home.
0: Starting your route to retirement.
1: As always, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Check us out on YouTube for full episodes on video and leave us a review if you're an Apple Podcast listener.
0: Investment advisory services offered through Barbara Financial Group and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.